Okay, you remember Harry Potter, book number one, right? All right, so they're all trying to, you know, Harry, Ron, and Hermione figure out at the end what Fluffy's hiding, and they go and get Fluffy, and there's like multiple challenges, you know. That's what drug delivery is. How do I design a particle that's gonna get past a sleeping dog, and then like be able to fly in the key, and then do all this other stuff, and then get to the end, and like defeat Voldemort, which would be cancer. This, 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 this is Carry the One, Carry the One Radio, the science podcast, igniting scientific curiosity, the University of California, California, San Francisco. Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Kelsey. Welcome to Carry the One Radio. Today, we're talking with Dr. Liz Wayne, physicist turned cancer cell hunter turned immunologist turned bioengineer. And stay tuned, because in this episode, we're going to cover a lot. Yes, uh, stories of hijacking your immune system, tracking down cancer cells, cell Uber drivers, and stick around after the credits for some bonus conversation about Dr. Wayne's podcast, PhD Buzz. That's right. So let's jump right into it. Meet Dr. Liz Wayne. My name is Liz Wayne, and I am a postdoctoral fellow now at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Dr. Wayne has been working on some pretty cool stuff at the University of North Carolina. I am interested in using immune cells for drug delivery. I uh, am taking an engineer's approach, which is in a way me saying, I don't know a lot of immunology or biology, but I know that immune cells go everywhere that there is disease and inflammation. Your immune system is an extraordinarily complicated series of cells and signals, and they work together to combat threats to your body. When germs enter your body, the immune system detects and removes them before you get sick. Half of the immune system is called the innate system, and that's kind of like what you're born with where they say, we're going to recognize and kill anything that's not supposed to be here. So if it's like a bacteria, you're not supposed to be here. We're going to eat you. Right? And then your adaptive immune system has your B cells and your T cells, and they essentially remember everything you've ever done, so they go, never do that again. Like, like they're your friends who are like, we saw you do this. That was not good. You were sick afterwards. So I'm going to remind you every time that you try to do this again, and we're going to also eat those. And together, they recognize and de- defend you. And, and I, I think they're just really cool. So you have an immune system that you're born with, the innate immune system, and one that learns as you go, the adaptive immune system, which has B and T cells, among others, which we'll talk more about later. And together, the innate and adaptive immune cells protect your body against infections caused by things like bacteria, viruses, or parasites. But another thing that the immune system can help fight against is cancer. Cancer cells look different than your healthy cells, so your immune system can recognize and kill them just like it does for those bacteria or the flu virus. And this means that your naturally occurring immune system could be used as a tool to fight cancer. And that's where Dr. Wayne got her start, as a cancer cell hunter. So I became a cancer cell hunter without really, you know, really thinking about it. I mean, I think that's a way cooler title. I should have, if I thought about that before, like, I hunt cancer cells. Yeah, I could have had a TV show about that. Anyway, I wasn't that successful because cancer cells are hard to find. In searching for cancer cells, I found immune cells. In fact, your immune system is like a very coordinated 
like defense. They're like your body's Avengers, where each immune cell has their own different special power and their own function, and they all communicate with each other. But much like the actual Avengers, spoiler alert, your body's Avengers are not strong enough to win this fight. Why not? Well, the immune system does fight some cancer cells, but cancer cells are sneaky. After all, before they mutated and started running wild, they used to be normal healthy cells, and they still look like healthy cells in a lot of ways. Immune cells will go into tumors and look for problems, but they can be tricked into thinking that everything's a-okay. That's why we have treatments like radiation or chemotherapy. They kill the quickly growing cancer cells that the immune system doesn't. But unfortunately, they kill a whole lot of other cells too, which is a huge problem. And they cause a lot of suffering for many patients. Plus, there are certain areas of the body that are especially protected. For example, the brain is sealed off from the bloodstream by something called the blood-brain barrier. And drugs have a really hard time getting through and into the brain. But there's something special about immune cells. I know that one of the big problems of challenges in drug delivery is actually getting their drug into the tumor or into the brain or any type of specially privileged area. And the immune cells go there freely and happily. In cases of injury or disease, immune cells get a special access badge to the body's secure areas, giving them a way to come in and clean up debris or defend against possible threats. Dr. Wayne figures, why not use immune cells access badges to get some other stuff in there too? But the immune system is amazing, it's cool, and just the idea of trying to use them as like a hitchhiker, as a piggyback ride, I think is a unique, a pretty interesting idea because every disease in your body involves an inflammatory response. And it's just a powerful tool for actually delivering the drugs to the places where you need them to be or preemptively finding them because they're also more sensitive than any kind of measure that we'd ever have. Even before you or your doctor figure it out, immune cells know when and where there's a flare-up or immune response, and they can get there fast. So, so let's make nanoparticles that have the drug that attach these immune cells and let them do the trafficking for us. Immune cells have two big things going for them. They go where treatment is needed, and we can stick stuff to them. And this is why they're the ideal tool for drug delivery in cancer. They, they can navigate. They really can say, oh, we're going to go past the blood-brain barrier. We're just going to slide right through there, and we're going to go here. And, like, you know, and, and they, they go there, and they figure it out. And uh, I, I just think it's really cool. This is why immune cells are useful. They already know where to go, and they do go there. So we can just use drugs to hitchhike to the site of interest. But what do we actually stick to immune cells? Nanoparticles. Nanoparticles aren't the newest thing in the world. They sound fancy, but nanotechnology has actually been used to engineer drugs for a pretty long time. Slow-release painkillers, organ-specific targeting, packaging multiple drugs into one capsule, all of these use nanoparticles. The other thing is some drugs, if you just, if you just swallow it, it's toxic. <laughs> so <laughs> being able to actually encapsulate some of these more toxic drugs and let them kind of release once they get to the organ is, is really important. And because of toxicity, it's especially important that these drugs end up where they're supposed to go. 
And this isn't easy once they enter the body. Actually, maybe a better analogy would be one of those like pinball games where you release the ball, but it goes through all those things, you know. And so you always try to figure out, well, if I release the ball over here, will it take a different path, right? And in a way, that's what altering the nanoparticle itself does. But now, instead of pulling a spring and letting a drug-containing nanoparticle loose to bounce around the body, Dr. Wayne is giving these nanoparticles a chaperone, a responsible immune cell that knows exactly where to go. But what drugs actually make up these nanoparticles? You can either choose drugs that will kill everything but hope they localize in enough time that doesn't, they're not all going to the lungs as an example, they're going to accumulate in the places where they need it most. Or you can choose drugs that have selective activity so that they are, they don't really hurt normal cells, but they might hurt cancerous cells. A big advantage of this method is that it can use drugs that already exist to treat cancer. By putting these drugs specifically in places that need treatment instead of spreading them all around the body. And this will allow us to avoid painful side effects that are characteristic of cancer treatment. How do the drugs get there? Well, Dr. Wayne takes immune cells and covers them with little pockets called liposomes. Know how oil and water separate when you put them in a glass? Well, liposomes take advantage of the fact that fat and water don't mix. Lipo means fat, and these are microscopic bubbles of fatty membranes that enclose little droplets of water. And you can put anything into a liposome center. Genes for gene therapy, whole proteins and drug nanoparticles, and more all enclosed by this fatty bubble. This solves multiple problems, getting drugs to tumors, especially in privileged areas like the brain, and encapsulating or chaperoning potentially toxic drugs, preventing them from causing unnecessary damage to the body and having harmful side effects. Using immune cells to treat cancer is a kind of immunotherapy, a buzzword that's been thrown around a lot lately in both the science world as well as in popular news media. Cancer immunotherapy has been called the biggest breakthrough since the invention of chemo. Most of these techniques are forms of what's called active immunotherapy. The active one um, is what we kind of, we already see in clinical trials now. So we know that uh, T cells are the ones that remember insults, and what happens is that the cancer likes to evade the immune system and kind of convinces it to actually help it and not hurt it. So that the immune cells do see them, but they just don't, they're kind of like drunk, is what I would call them. Um, <laughs> they act really weird. They're like, you're my friend, and the cancer cells, yes, I'm your friend, I'm your friend. And it's like, you're not my friend. And he's like, no, I'm your friend, I'm your friend, this is cool. It's cool, you wanna hang out with me. And he's like, no, I don't, I wanna go home. So the whole point of active immunotherapy is to get your immune system to recognize the cancer cells are not your friends and then go after them. Active immunotherapy uses T cells that are given a reference guide. So when they see a cancer cell, they know that they're not friendly. These are like the body's bouncers that constantly monitor cells and activate to throw the cancer cells out of the club. And that's working pretty well, well, in certain cancers. Um, it doesn't work for all cancers, which is where I think the benefit of um, the passive response that, um, that I'm trying to do would be really useful. Specifically, active immunotherapy works best for cancers that are the easiest for T-cells to reach, but not every kind. 
To get around this problem, Dr. Wayne is taking advantage of other immune cells' natural ability to make it to the places where cancer hides. They don't need a guidebook or instructions. They already go there. So we call this passive immunotherapy. What I've been talking about would be the passive category where I don't want to change what the immune cells are doing. I just want to use the fact that they go there. So I'm passively using them as personalized Uber drivers through your body. In the active, I have to have a specific population of T cells for it to be effective. Um, and in the other, I'm saying it doesn't matter which cells I'm using. I just want them to go there and deliver the drug. And in particular, to deliver the drugs that we've already known that work well, but just don't ever get there in the right concentrations. And I also think this was have greater, a lot of application for other types of diseases. But to be fair, those are the, I think that's like the, the layout of immunotherapy very broadly. These approaches to immunotherapy are awesome, but they're also very new. In fact, Dr. Wayne didn't start working on this until after she got her PhD. I got my bachelor's degree in physics, and I was one of those, physics is the best study of all, you know, it was like the one ring to rule them all. If I know physics, I know everything else, and I don't really need to know anything else because I know how to study everything because physics is everything. And then I had my butt handed to me, and it was like, that's not true. It's true, sort of, and not really, and chemistry is hard, and biology is hard. And from there, Dr. Wayne moved into more biology and microscopy. So I got my PhD in biomedical engineering, and I always wanted to build, I wanted to build a microscope, and I wanted to image something. That was really what I went into grad school thinking. I wanted to, like, be a technical person, and the project became cancer, and I thought, okay, I'm going to hunt down cancer cells, because if 90% of cancer patients die when the tumor spreads, well, I want to see how the tumor spreads. And I like to joke that I spent half of my 20s looking for cancer cells in mouse brains in a basement dark laser room. Um looking <laughs> and not finding very many cells, mostly because of how I designed the experiment. It's like playing Finding Waldo all the time, except, you know, the Waldo's like a big mural, you know, so maybe like a hundred times your size or something. Imagine playing that version of Where's Waldo all day. Sounds terrible. But by doing this, Dr. Wayne got very good at noticing changes in the mouse brains. And she even found quite a surprise. In searching for cancer cells, I found immune cells, and I thought, wait a minute, they're here, they're migrating, they're going, this is actually what they all do. So Dr. Wayne was hunting cancer cells, and in that process she kept finding immune cells migrating and going towards those cancer sites, all on their own. But I learned a lot about the immune cells there, because they moved, and they did really cool and interesting things inside the brain. And then I started to realize, oh, but I have no idea about drug distribution and, and how this works. I just know about imaging. And so then I went to UNC where I am now, and I'm in a cancer nanotechnology training program because I wanted to learn more about nanotechnology. And now I'm applying for faculty positions. And the goal is to add all of that together, which is developing platforms to use immune cells for drug delivery, where I'll be doing imaging of uh, immune cells and combine that with analysis.
Sounds like a very cool topic, using microscopy to see immune cells and even battle cancer. But we don't see immune cells delivering cancer-fighting drugs being used in the clinic quite yet. Even though Dr. Wayne has some promising results, the idea of using immune cells for cancer therapy it still has some caveats. Medical care is pretty much never cheap, but that's especially true when we're talking about these cutting-edge, almost sci-fi sounding treatments. Also, immunotherapy is very expensive. So currently, a single dose of a cancer immunotherapy, let's say CAR T-cell therapy, could cost anywhere from $73,000 to $200,000 for a single dose. And it may take multiple doses, and it may not work for you. So it's very expensive, and it's a lot to consider that financial toxicity matters. Can people afford these drugs? Because a therapy is only useful if people can actually afford to use it. With her research, Dr. Wayne can make cancer immunotherapy much more accessible. Passive immunotherapy can let doctors use immune cells to deliver drugs that already exist, instead of developing new and expensive ones, or trying to change the way that your immune system naturally functions, which can lead to negative side effects. This could definitely pave the way for a whole new type of cancer immunotherapy, less side effects than current treatments with cells that every person already has in their body. And that's it for our discussion with Dr. Wayne about cancer therapy and immune cells. But Dr. Wayne actually has a podcast of her own, The PhD Divas. For more info about how she got it started and fascinating and important stories that they tell, stay tuned after the credits. This episode was written and produced by Kelsey Hickey and myself, Ben Matsky, with help from the rest of our team at Carry the One Radio. If you like this episode and want to help support us, you can do so through Patreon at patreon.com slash carry the one, or let us know what you think by leaving a comment or review. We'd like to thank our science producers, Sama Ahmed and Tom and Julie Jones. You too can become a science producer and get a shout out in our credits by donating just $10 or more per episode. If you like what you hear, but 10 bucks sounds a little steep, consider donating $5 or even $1 per episode. Every little bit helps. We also have links on our website and more science episodes at carrytheoneradio.com. You can subscribe to Carry the One on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter for regular updates on cool stuff happening in the world of science. And as always, stay curious. Sure, the podcast is called PH Divas, and we interview um, women who are pursuing or already have um, advanced degrees in anything. Um, my co-host is a dear friend of mine, um, Dr. Zain Yao, who has a PhD in English, and we often joke because she is an Asian woman, Canadian Asian woman who studied English, but people thought she should be good at math. And we're always surprised that she's like a really great English. Like, in fact, she would study, she would like get better scores than her, you know, her um, uh, white counterparts. And I studied physics and everyone was confused by that as well. Like, what? (laughs) You're a black woman who wants to do physics? Is that possible? Um, 
so so it's just like really funny that we we do this but we but together we actually span the stem humanities divide and we talk about um you know how are our phd experiences different what kind of misconceptions do stem people have about humanities phds and vice versa and just interviewing other women and hearing about their study hearing about what they enjoy this is particularly interesting because women frequently don't get credit <laughs> for for work. If you look at journal articles that are written, um, some 75% of those scientific articles will feature male scientists and not actually critique, um, not actually have women there. So, and then when women are on this, the um, the team, they're not referenced. So we're not being asked to give interviews or participate in the public um, at the same rate as me. We're not being visualized as scientists or giving that credit. And the podcast in some way helps with that. And it's also just fun. You know, we were in grad school together. We're like, we talk all the time anyway. We might as well record ourselves. <laughs> You can find PhDivas on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info, check out their website at phdivas.wordpress.com.